0: Hello and welcome to Hashtag Disruption Dialogues, a markets and markets podcast series for growth-minded strategy, market intelligence and competitive intelligence professionals. Today, our host, Pranjal Sharma, is in discussion with Giovanni Bertolino, head of e-mobility USA and Canada at NLX. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Disruption Dialogues. I'm Pranjal Sharma. I'm an author based in New Delhi and I'm going to be in discussion with Giovanni Bertolino. Thanks, Giovanni, for joining us today. Thank you, Pranjal, for having me. We're going to be discussing about why utilities need to care about EV charging and uh, how it will impact not just the utilities, but really all of us, because uh, that's the key issue about electric vehicles. Giovanni, um, give us a sense of the kind of work that you have been doing. It's absolutely critical that you know the entire ecosystem, from utilities to car makers to all of us uh, as users, in commercial spaces, public transport, everybody comes together for this. Uh, where are we at this point?
1: Yeah, we. I think we are at an inflection point. We're going to see a huge acceleration in uh, uh, adoption of EVs uh, and investments at all different levels uh, in the industry to support to this this transition. Utilities have a key role to play there, and NL is uh, is at the forefront of that. I mean, NL over the last 10 years have been investing more and more in making sure that the electricity that flows in the grid is more and more renewable. And we have a commitment to go to 100% renewable over the next 20 years, but also, uh, we have seen that, you know, making electricity renewable is not just enough. So we want to look at all the energy consumptions and, and transportation is the is the second largest uh, sector in terms of energy uh, consumption and, and uh, emission, global emission of, of CO2. So that's why we, we started in investing also in supporting electrification of transportation. And we're seeing the next decade, so until 2030, we, we named that the decade of electrification because we want to push forward the electrification of transportation. We're going to start also looking at to convert all other energy uses to electricity. Uh, why we're doing that? Because, you know, with investment in renewables and renewables becoming cheaper and cheaper, we can, you know, address two issues. We can address uh, uh, the, the global impact of, uh, of carbon emissions and uh, local, local pollution. And the technology now is there to support uh, that transition. And um, we are going to address that uh, with technologies that will make that transition uh, smoother and, and faster, making sure that the investments needed to support uh, all these additional electricity load on the grid is manageable. So that, that's really the angle for utilities. How can we make sure that uh, we can convert uh, very quickly the entire fleet of vehicles, whether they are residential or medium and heavy duty, public transportation vehicles to electric, um, and how can we deliver all that, all that energy, keeping investments on the grid as, as low as possible so that drivers can benefit from uh, lower costs for powering their vehicles. I mean, when you transition to EV, you're gonna have uh, still a higher upfront cost because you know an EV is still a bit more expensive because of the batteries that you need to have, but the running costs will be, will be much lower. So if we can keep that, that cost of electricity low, that will make the transition easier. And uh, both for drivers and for for rate payers, we will not have to fund expensive upgrades in in the grid. And we're focusing on, on smart charging infrastructure exactly to address
0: that issue. It's interesting, Giovanni, our lives are going to change. You know, it was, you know, last few years, we keep chasing and looking for charging points for our mobile phones. And now we have to make sure that we don't have to, you know, Keep keeps searching for a charging point for our cars in the future. So we got to have, you know, charging points at easy access levels. Isn't that the core uh, of the whole uh, concept? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're going to see
1: more and more EVs like like our phones. And, and actually to that point, the most, uh, you know, Convenient uh, way to charge your EV is charging at at home, and that's uh, probably one you know one of the core things that, that we do is is providing an, an easy, uh, affordable but smart residential charging solutions. Uh, and uh, whoever has ability to have access to a place where, where to install a charger uh, will find uh, the experience of you know plugging the vehicle at night and and charging overnight or whatever the car is is idle will be the easiest and, and cheapest way to, to charge its vehicle. Of course, there are big differences you know, in different regions of the world. There are regions of the world there where um, the percentage of households who have access to you know, a garage or a parking lot where they can install a charger is much higher, like United States, for instance. There are other regions of the world where that is not really the case, and um, I mean there are solutions for condos, of course, but there are even many places where you, people just park their car on the street; they don't have a dedicated space. And in that case, public charging will be uh, will be will be critical to make sure that there is enough uh, enough infrastructure. And but public charging can be uh, uh, it's not just public public charging because you know I think it will be important also having charging options at the workplace or every location where people can have their, park, their car parked for, for a, a meaningful uh, amount of time um, so that you know they can have up options to, to connect the car. And, and that will bring a twofold benefit. On one side, of course, having the infrastructure will ease uh, the uh, adoption. People will not be concerned about, you know, where do I charge my car? How do I make sure that I can get whatever I want every time I want, but also, the more charging points are available, the more cars will be connected and the more that will benefit the grid actually. Uh, Because the longer the cars are connected, the more flexibility utilities will have on delivering those uh, electrons to vehicles at different times of the day. This will help ease the strain on the grid as uh, the actual charging load can be spread over multiple hours and will also help integrate more renewables onto the grid. If instead of charging everyone at night, uh, many cars or vehicles will be able to charge during the day, they will be able to absorb solar energy, for instance. So there are multiple benefits and, uh, and it's key to have the, 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 the widest and most reachable uh, infrastructure as,
0: as possible. Jovan, you talked about uh, technologies. So what are the breakthrough technologies uh, that are available or are developing and, and the ones maybe that you are working on which will enable this? Because from grid management to to ensuring that you have uh, the distribution of power to so many new uh, access points is really a huge uh, shift in the way power is uh, is delivered, generated, and consumed. Yeah, I mean, for the time being, we're focusing on
1: uh, conventional, I would say, and it's not conventional because everything is new, but conventional way of delivering charge to vehicles, so we're not into wireless charging or um, battery swaps. Uh, we're focusing on uh, standard, you know, plugging your vehicle to a device which is able to control the charging experience, and the device can be in alternate current or in direct current. The Direct current, of course, allows for high power charging and fast charging. Alternate current uh, uh, allows for uh, a, a good speed of charging, which is perfect for residential or you know workplace locations, uh, and also in some cases for public charging, where you know a vehicle can can stay. Um, put for for a number of hours. So think of a a parking lot at a a transit hub, for instance. Uh, There, uh, the the technology of the hardware per se uh, might be simple. Uh, What is key is, uh, in our view, is that these chargers need to be connected, needs to be devices that can be remotely monitored and controlled. Uh, why is that? Because we need to understand in real time what are the consumption uh, patterns on the grid so that we can accordingly manage the grid. We wanna understand what are the consumption patterns of the drivers so that uh, as utilities, we can design tariff schemes or incentive schemes to drive behaviors so, so that uh, you know it is more convenient to charge where there is less load on the grid or when there is more renewable energy on the grid, for instance, uh, or even more, we can control actively the charging experience so that whenever there is an excess of load on the grid, uh, we can curtail the charging from vehicles uh, to um, avoid, you know, lockouts or avoiding, you know, uh, additional investments in uh, uh, increasing the capacity of, of the grid. Again, in your usual, you know, driving, you really need to charge your vehicle one or two hours per day in AC, assuming that you you drive you know 40, 50, 60 miles per day. If it's just two hours per day of charging, and you can spread the charging over multiple hours, assuming the cars can be committed to multiple to, to uh, for many hours to a charging point, as I was suggesting before, that is a huge source of flexibility for utility. The technology behind that, uh, strong integration between hardware and software uh enabling utilities to to, to manage these uh, you know large source potentially very large source of you know demand response will be critical to uh to to as i said make a very uh, viable to uh, adopt as many evs and integrate as many evs to the grid as possible and as fast as possible
0: Giovanni you talk about uh, you know the big effort has to be from the utilities do you see that the utilities will have to change the way that they work, change their systems, processes, uh, and technologies uh, to be able to deliver this huge demand which is uh, likely to grow very fast? I think more than a challenge, is a huge opportunity for utilities. It's a huge opportunity
1: because utilities can see uh, the demand of electricity grow significantly. And this will help, of course, sustain their business, but ultimately will help the rate payers because you know the cost of a grid is a fixed cost that gets divided across you know, the number of users and the amount of kilowatt hours that are being delivered. So the more demand on the grid, the lower will be the cost of that grid for the for the customer base. Uh, so for utilities, it's a huge opportunity to, um, to increase the perceived value of their business and to provide additional services and benefits. To their customers, and utilities, um, uh, the, the the barriers for utilities to 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 get into this business are reasonably low because there are uh, players like us, like Enel, who are partnering with utilities, uh, supporting their business model with our technology. In the U.S., for instance, where we are not a utility, we are. Uh, providing a service, so we're partnering with over 40 utilities, uh, participating in over 130 utility programs, where with our technology, we are enabling utilities, giving them insight into consumer customers' behaviors, in charging partners, helping utilities design uh, tariffs, uh, time of use rates, uh, and implementing demand response programs uh, with uh, with the load of chargers. Utilities will, will have uh, a, an important role in uh, supporting this transition. And we'll also participate for sure in, in the investment because utilities have the opportunity to invest directly in uh, in the build out of this infrastructure. I mean, there are nuances because it depends on the specific regulation, what utilities are allowed to do or not allowed to use. There are in various jurisdictions there, there can be differences, uh, but in many cases, utilities are getting approved in important investment uh, programs for, from their public utility commissions to pour money into this uh, effort of electrification. And money coming from utilities will complement the money uh, and investments coming from uh, federal governments and and, and local governments and and private investors in building uh, an EV charging infrastructure for for public charging, for fleet, uh, and for end users.
0: And a big part of this uh, journey is also public transport infrastructure, because the demand for that would be much higher. I mean, some cities have electric trams and and, uh, suburban metros. But if we have to move almost everything into EV or or electric uh, charging mode, then uh, I think there is also a lot of investment from a city perspective. Right. So utilities will have to work with cities. Um, are there any, any, you know, how do you see this developing uh, in the next uh, few years?
1: A lot of cities are starting setting uh, ambitious targets for decarbonization and uh, electrification and transportation as a key benefit for, for cities because it will materially reduce local pollution. Uh, so you, the cities are, uh, should be the first stakeholder uh, with, a, with a strong interest in, in pursuing electrification of, of transportation because it will bring you know, investments in infrastructure in the city and social benefit. And cities can do that uh, in different ways. They can incentivize uh, deployment of charging public charging infrastructure, deployment of, of, of chargers. Uh, at uh, individual house, uh, houses or, or multi-unit dwellings, like with incentives or, or changes in their civil codes, and they can uh, prescribe uh, targets and, and support electrification of public transportation. And public transportation can be different ways. It could be a fleet of ride-sharing uh, services, or it can be uh, school buses and transit buses, uh, Um, and service fleets, uh, all those segments, you know, solutions for electrifications are there. The upfront cost may be higher. Uh, It is higher. But uh, in the long run, the total cost of ownership is already in many instances uh, competitive to traditional, you know, diesel or or, or, or gas fuel vehicles. Um, And it gives cities the opportunity to really make a step forward in, you know, digitalization of, of these services and and here the, the interesting thing is that uh, uh, certain, you know, uh, the less advanced countries are, are leapfrogging uh, uh, in investments. Uh, And NL has been part of very large deployments in in Latin America, for instance, in in Chile and in Colombia, where we've helped the transit authorities of the city of Santiago and the city of Bogota in the build-out of large depots for hundreds of of transit buses in a model which has been very sustainable for the finances of of the city and giving them the opportunity of deploying, as I said, large fleet. We have 800 buses in in Santiago, 800 buses in, in Bogota already. At, at the speed of adoption that you cannot find in any large city in North America, for instance, it's uh, it's it's only comparable to China at this at this point in time, uh, where China is 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 the largest you know investor at the moment in, uh, in public trans in electric public trans- transportation, and 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 these large vehicles require huge investments, uh, and utilities there also have a, have a key role because uh, they can help deploying. Uh, on-site distributed energy resources with, with storage and solar, uh, and, and building microgrids to to, to support this, this public transportation fleet, and similar, you can do with other commercial fleet, and so on. The model applies very very much uh, similarly to to other to other spaces, and and in some cases uh, these um, uh, large batteries on big vehicles. Uh, concentrated in single nodes on the grid, these, these large depots can play even a bigger role in supporting the grid. I was mentioning before how EV charging can be a flexible resource for the grid for demand response. When you start having you know megawatt-sized charging at large depots for commercial or public fleet, then you can start thinking not only of demand response, but even of providing additional services to the grid. Uh, I'm talking here about the difference between V1G and V2G. Those are two flavors of vehicle grid integration. So V1G is the ability of reacting to the need of the grid by reducing the charge. So it's demand response, basically. V2G is the ability to provide back energy to the grid from the battery of the vehicles to you know simply providing you know load shifting capabilities or you even ancillary services um, when you have a large concentration of, of batteries and power that starts becoming an appealing value value proposition and might become soon a reality uh, especially where you have vehicles that do not have a high utilization with public transit is different because you want to have those vehicles running as many hours as possible but um, school buses or trash collection vehicles uh, uh, that do not run 12, 14 hours a day, those are big batteries that can also serve uh, the purpose of helping the grid. Uh, where again, you know, utilities being part of that uh, will be key to maximize the benefit for the grid and reducing costs for red players.
0: Giovanni, tell us something about the exciting new technologies, because uh, a lot of us have been reading about, uh, you know, road charging capability, you just drive over a road and, you know, your car gets charged at the same time. I think some pilot projects have happened in in some countries in Europe. Uh, what are the new exciting uh, technologies like that? that you see emerging and that perhaps uh, that you are working on as well? So I think that there is
1: experimenting in so many different ways. I think wireless charging is one thing, battery swap is something that, you know, is trying to get a uh, foothold again. But I think what, what is gonna be mainstream is, uh, you know, having easy way of charging, whether at home or on the road, having a very simple charging experience in which you can simply connect to the vehicle and start charging, and everything is taken care of. Uh, so, who is the customer that is using the the charger? How to pay if it is for pay, or how to identify the charge the, 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 the driver if it is you know restricted to certain users, having a very you know streamlined experience and uh, having you know fast charging capabilities. But it very much depends on what uh, OEMs, EV automakers will will support. So every everything you know, everything about you know adoption of technologies around charging will depend on OEMs. Uh, take for instance, you know, I was mentioning before V2G. V2G is something that we've been talking about and, and experimenting about for a long time. Enel alone has done probably four different pilots in, in different regions in Europe, but it is not something that is currently supported by automakers there is basically only one or two vehicles on the market who can theoretically support that so it has never you know got a foothold and you really need critical mass for something new to become mainstream what is very interesting and exciting is that is starting to uh, coming back as we are getting more and more vehicles and some of those vehicles have bigger batteries uh, like pickup trucks uh this is something that is becoming uh interesting and and automakers are now looking at uh, how can i make uh, the battery of a vehicle a source of reliability for the house uh, so that instead of you know households buying a diesel generator to keep in their garage they can just plug the car and power their home for two for two three days uh, so there the charger will play a critical role in integrating the car with the house or potentially with your solar panels and your your stationary battery and and playing that integrated system that is something you know ford is doing that uh, we're seeing many other automakers looking at that uh, so that's a place where there is there will be a lot of benefit for for household and also an opportunity for utilities to support that business model uh, which will become very interesting in the next few years
0: Giovanni, this is really exciting to know. Uh, you know, you talk about different ex- experiments which are going on, new technologies, uh, as well as the, the need for bringing so many different players from the government to the utilities to automakers together. Uh, you know, with this, I'd like to end this conversation. And I'd like, really like to thank you for sharing your insights and the work that you're doing. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Pranjal. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I was in conversation with Giovanni Bartolino, head of eMobility USA and Canada at NLX. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Disruption If you are a strategy or market intelligence professional, we invite you to join our community on LinkedIn, Hashtag Disruption